Welcome to the Be Real podcast. I am your host, Diana Gasparoni. I am a visionary psychotherapist, CEO, and founder of Be Well Psychotherapy and Be Her programs. Along with my amazing co-hosts, Anisha Salisbury and Divya Robin, each week we will talk about the journey of mental health wellness. We will talk about why your mental health is just as important as your physical health and the connection that being mentally well has on all areas of your life. We will be interviewing psychotherapists from various disciplines and schools of thought, doctors from both Eastern and Western disciplines, authors, change makers, thought leaders, and more. Our mission is to bring you information that is both thought-provoking and encourages you to look closer at your mental and emotional well-being. We will give you tips and insights to taking the next steps, or if you have already gotten in the door, to go deeper. Each week, we are going to have real conversations, helping you work through your mental wellness questions, reminding you that you are not alone. Mental health is my passion. I practice what I preach. I know that the struggle is real. It is our mission to touch as many souls as we can with this content, leading you to a place of mental clarity and well-being. So for the next hour, let's work together and look underneath the surface and get real. Hey everyone, we are back with Be Real this week. Uh, this is Anisha Salisbury, and where is my amazing host? Because I am the co-host. Where's Diana? You here with me, Diana? I'm here. I, you know, I've been thinking about this host co-host thing. I, okay. I, I don't, I don't know. I, we got to like even playing field the whole thing. So, are we co-hosts? Are we both hosts. Hosts. So maybe we're co-hosts. Says, is there another word besides host? I don't know, but I think, I think, uh, you know, we, as, as it's grown and we've been talking about it, things have shifted a little bit in the way that we envisioned it. So I think we need to work on the language. So Anisha, I've been thinking a little bit about what the silver linings of this such a crazy time in history. And, um, you know, we we launched this podcast in the pandemic, and things have shifted. Yes, we did. <laughs> things we did have shifted. So, um, you know, I have like Team Diana has like an analyst, a supervisor, which you realized the other day, um, a coach, another coach. You know, a couple a other people, team. a full team. There's a full team, and so you know, the podcast has been something that I was you know, taking ownership of. And I realized recently that I am definitely not in this by myself. And so we've been talking about it and um, I've been in the evolution of it. You know how I like to be in charge. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And I realized I'm not. We're in it together. We're not, this isn't, this isn't the Diana show. I think it's interesting to say though, when you envision this, the thought was, of course, it was going to be three of us. That was one thought, right? Yep. And also that you would primarily be on here and then I would sometimes be on, right? And so that just didn't happen, right? So that's no. how things kind of evolved, right? Like I am on every show. We are on every show together. So I think the, the beauty is we didn't know that that was going to happen, right? Mm-mm. And I don't know if that happened because of the pandemic. I have no idea, but I Who knows? Um, appreciate it happening, it's been so much fun for me also to just see you every week, right? This is kind of our standing date, which I love. Yes. Um, but I appreciate us even having a conversation about it evolving. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's, um, I mean, I, I you know, I remember, I, I wonder if he'll listen to this one, but I remember when I had like committed, like I was going to be by myself, like, it's cool. I'm old now, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't matter. And then I bumped into, you know, I don't ever use his name. I wonder if this will be the time that I use his name. Maybe next time. Anyway, I bumped into him on the street. We had known each other before and he came back into my life and I was like, huh, I'm not going to be alone. And like you make room in your closet sort of, right? Mm -hmm. And like there's there's a relief in not being alone, right? That this is like, we get to do this together and we get to, we get to make some noise together. And, and I'm really, I, um, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm really appreciating um, us both being able to see things from a different lens, um, being able to bring the content that we're bringing to the table, to the table. I think it's really important right now that we are able to 
highlight things that are going on in communities that are not mine um, in a way that is safe and approachable and the content is uh, really digestible and allows people to hear us and mm-hmm. also allows a voice for mental health for everybody and how important it is. Which is so important, right? Because we've talked about mental health is not a one size fits all kind of thing. And I think by both of our voices being on this podcast, it really shows that, right? Like it shows that to everyone. It's not a one size fits all. So No, it is not a one size fits all. And uh, we got some great things coming up too. I think that we're going to do, uh, we're going to do a really good job. So um, if you've been listening and you've been a fan of Be Real or whether you're new, uh, it might not be in this episode because now we have to figure out what it's going to sound like at the beginning. <laughs> our new intro. <laughs> but we're going to re-record it and we're going to collaborate and bring both of our voices equally into the room. And um, that's exciting. Because who knows what's going to happen from here? I mean, anything could happen from here. Like, of course. So um, much fun. It's funny because we were talking about like the silver lining of the pandemic. And I realized that I could be alone. I think that is one of the silver linings for me during this pandemic. Um, I love to be around people. I'm one of seven children. I'm always around people. And so during this pandemic, there has been um, long stretches of time that I've been alone. Yeah, I thought I always needed to be around people, but... It's been kind of nice to get to know myself, I think, in a different way, to really, truly figure out what my needs are and my wants are. Yeah, I'm I'm grateful for that. I don't know if that pandemic didn't happen, then I wouldn't have that time and that space to kind of think about that and appreciate it. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I know what your life was like four years ago, running around, (laughs) doing all the things. Uh, but it's true. I, I will say, I mean, I haven't, I have not spent that much time alone, but I have what, what I don't need, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although there has been the occasional dress that has like sort of come through the door. The quarantine purchase. The cor- my quarantine purchases, because I do like to dress up for work. Like I'm at work here. Um, <laughs> I will roll out of the bedroom with like a, a dress on, but I have started Nikki. I know my sister's listening. Small business. I'm shopping small business. Don't you worry. But I don't, there's so many things that I don't need as much of. And that, that has been nice. It's been nice to be, to have that quiet time, I think. And, and I cook more too. Like I have not been ordering out. I've done my best and it has been very tempting Right. But I have to say, I've been going to the grocery store and I've cooked just about every meal I've eaten in the quarantine. I think I ordered out three times tops and we're in month four. So um, I'm probably saving money, too. You are saving money. (laughs) We order out once a week. But I know that you and I were on the phone last night and we talked about this and um, I was I didn't want to cook. You know, I threw together. (laughs) I threw down a meal seven minutes and it was good wow so <laughs> you know, Rachel, Rachel. I gonna say. Rachel Ray might want me or one of those cooking shows may want me yeah I'm getting good at it like a little little things but cooking is and I'm excited to hear that about you because I know that cooking was one of those things you were conflicted about you didn't like it very much so I yeah. always would say, I don't believe in gender roles. I don't know if gender roles has anything to do with why I don't cook, but it sounds good. And I would say it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still enjoy cooking very much and um, try to get a new recipe in there every week. But, you know, I've slowed down. I've definitely slowed down a little bit. But, you know, throw together some stuff. I do miss a salad from Sweetgreen at like two around the corner from the office, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do miss, you know, I used to love hearty soups. And so I haven't had a soup in a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just that thing that, you know, when you go to work every day, you, you have a routine and you kind of miss the routine. I mean, now we have new routines, right? Like, so, yeah. um, I don't know how I, if I love my new routine because it consists of me staying in the house a lot, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm getting used to it. So yeah. Oh yeah. Here we are. We still have a few more months to go, I think, but who knows what will happen. We'll be, you know, we'll be back in the office soon. I've been mean, getting, you got to get out and get your steps in. I do yes. get a text message that hopefully that Fitbit's on its way. We'll see. Um, and then lots of people have been dealing with the stresses of their mental health during this pandemic too. 
that has changed from season to season because we're now we're in our third season of the pandemic and we've had a pandemic yes. on top of a pandemic. So we've had a lot happen. We went from winter, spring to summer. We yeah. have. We did. We're in wow. season three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we are in the third season of the <laughs> season three. <sighs> what are you binge watching? Season it's like three. a bad show. You watching. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you said that. I was like, wow. It's like yeah. a never ending show. And it's like, I just want to be done. I just want to be done. That's Listen, it. I put in 16 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. I got, the, I can take this pandemic. <laughs> Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. So in with under the idea that or talking about mental health, we do have our guest today. We should probably talk about that because we do we do have a guest. This isn't this isn't the show. This is the beginning of the show. So so why don't you introduce our guest, Diana? Because we are super excited to have her. So yes. So today we have uh Brittany Monet on our show. She is a self-described content creator and sh- her mission is she is a black mental health advocate who encourages everyone to take the time out to focus on their mental health and wellness and while she is currently navigating her own personal journey she is delightful she really is just delicious so sit back and have a listen and um yes hear everything that she has to say As you know, I am a huge supporter of therapy, and if there was ever a time to prioritize your mental well-being, it's now. As the founder of Be Well Psychotherapy, I am proud to announce my team is leading the way in online therapy. Be Well is based in New York City, and we were one of the first practices to pivot to online therapy with the outbreak of COVID-19. With over 15 licensed therapists, Be Well offers a variety of methodologies and approaches so you can select a therapist that is a good fit for you. We help individuals of all ages, including kids, teens, couples, and wait for it, we even have online group therapy. There is no need to struggle alone with feelings of depression, anxiety, isolation, grief, or loss. To learn more, visit BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, that's one word, to 484848 to get connected with a therapist today. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com or text BeWell, one word, B-E-W-E-L-L to 484848 to get connected to a therapist today. And now back to our amazing show. Hey, everyone. For me, guys, this is is an exciting month because it is Minority Mental Health Month. So all month, we're going to um, be talking about that and focusing on that because it's something that is really important for me as a Black person and as a Black therapist who primarily, see, primarily sees people of color. I'm super excited today. So welcome to Be Real. Um, Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Hi. How are you guys doing today? We're good. We're super excited to have you on the show today. I'm excited to be here. Really excited to be here. I guess we can just jump on in, huh? Um, so if you could share with our listeners um, a little bit more about you. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Brittany. Um, I go by Brittany Monet uh, across uh, social media. Uh, I am a uh, native of the DMV area. That's uh, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. And I currently reside in Virginia. Um, during my my free time, I like to uh, take photos. Um, I like to you might find me on social media, Instagram, liking your photos um, I've gotten into cooking since we've been quarantined and I've liked cooking before, but now I feel like it's really soothing, uh, especially knowing that my, my money's going to stay in my bank account. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, that's, I guess that's a, a little bit about myself. Um, I also enjoy, uh, talking about mental health, um, bringing awareness to mental health. So that's something that I'm sure we'll dive into here in just a second. Uh, but I, I like to push that across all of my platforms because I think that it's a uh, very important, especially in the year of uh, 2020. Yes, yes. It is. <laughs> 2020 has a, it's, it'll, it's got a whole different take on, uh, on so many things, but, um, mental health definitely is something that is a priority for everybody at this point because there's so many thoughts, so many feelings, so much 
so much in the world. And I am very excited to have you on here today too. We as therapists, I know Anisha and I were talking about it. What happens is we always get other therapists in the room and from having somebody with us who is an advocate for mental health who's not a therapist who can bring like another voice to the conversation is really exciting for me i think i'm going to start with questions this morning okay and um mental health so we're assuming i'm just assuming that you're in therapy because you know i did a little research on you and dug deep deep but we'll get to your instagram in a minute um (laughs) so can you give us a little bit of uh background of like what what made you go to therapy? I know like for me, because I'm a little bit older, I remember looking at my first therapist in the phone book, in case you guys don't know what that is. It was the big thing that was delivered to your door. Yeah, big thing. Like you sat on it, maybe. But yeah, so like that was my experience. And that was how I found my first therapist 100 years ago. And I know it was a breakup that brought me to therapy. So I just want to know a little bit about your journey. Uh, in 1999, my, my mother passed away and my family's kind of like immediate response is like, okay, let's go ahead and put her in therapy. Um, I was nine years old at the time. So I still had no concept of like what had really happened. I remember hearing the news. I remember going to a funeral and then all of a sudden it was like two weeks later, I'm back in school. It was kind of hard to process all of that. And my, uh, my aunt had a friend and um, this friend had a friend that was a therapist. So she said, hey, let's go ahead and take Brittany to, I don't remember the woman's name, it's so long ago, but we, uh, they took me to this woman's house and she was an older woman. I, From my nine-year-old eyes, I probably was putting her at 90. I know that sounds horrible. <laughs> from the nine-year-old's perspective, she probably was 90. Yes. You're right. That was like, the same, like <laughs> she was probably my age, but she was probably 90. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just realized that 30 is an old when I turned 30, but I was saying it like up until this point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, uh, we went there. Um, the conversation was very short. Uh, it was hard to connect, um, mainly because she had cookies. She had so many distractions that I couldn't focus on what the topic was at hand. And I, I remember leaving and I told my aunt, I was like, Hey, I didn't like that woman. And we just never went back. Um, so from that point on, um, there were a lot of things that transpired in my personal life. And then we fast forward to freshman year of college. Um, and at the time I was 18, fresh out of high school, directly into college. And I realized that something wasn't quite right. Um, I couldn't put it into words and ultimately ended up failing my, my freshman year because there was like just this funk, like this cloud over me that I, couldn't describe, didn't know who to talk to because at the time, um, in my head, my ignorance led me to believe that, you know, black people don't go to therapy. Like it's, it's okay just to push through whatever you, what you're going through in the moment. I ended up having to come back home in 2014. I went through a, a bad breakup or I consider it a bad breakup. Now it's a blessing, but <laughs> right at the time it was bad. And now you look back and you're like, shoo, dodge that bullet. Is- Brittany, we both talked about a breakup led us both to therapy as well. Yeah. We talked about that in an earlier <laughs> yeah. time. But like, yeah. that one. thing that brings a lot of us to therapy. Huh? Definitely. And I, I won't say it was the exact breakup that led me to therapy, but it's what I started realizing about myself. And I realized, hey, I'm clinging on to this this guy who's clearly told me or showed me he doesn't want me. So what do I need to look at internally to to uh, change the situation or change how I'm feeling about it? I, I found a black therapist in D.C. Uh, she was amazing. Um, I went to her for, I want to say, about a solid nine months or so. Um, and then I changed jobs and my insurance changed so I could no longer see her. Mm. Um, and then there was another big gap. And it wasn't until I was uh, last year, actually. I was hospitalized and it was very sudden. It was very abrupt. I've never been uh, in the hospital for more than just, uh, you know, popping by to see somebody's new baby or going for lab work. Um, so that was something that really caused me to sit down and say, okay, something's not right. And I'm tired of pushing it off. So let's address it. So, uh, thankfully, um, I asked around my, one of my best friends, she's actually in, uh, therapy. She's in therapy, her fiance's in therapy, and then they go to couples counseling together. 
So I said, okay, the, this practice must be great. And yes. You, it right. <laughs> you felt like that was a good space for you, right? So you're like, if they're willing to go to individual and they're willing to get couples therapy at this place, then this could be a good fit for me. Yes. I, I at least wanted to give it a shot because I know word of mouth is like the best thing. And to actually hear it from somebody, somebody and somebody close to me and say like, you know, um, this therapist is the best. And then to find out that I could go there. And not necessarily have to have her therapist, but I had options. That mm-hmm. was that was the the better part part for me is that I could look and say, okay, who's accepting new patients, and who can I try out before I absolutely say, hey, this practice doesn't work for me. If you don't mind, I would love to go back to the hospitalization. How was that for you? And were you did you get a diagnosis when you were there? And if so, was it just kind of a relief? to have a name and understand like what was going on with you? Um, so the hospital, it was, it was actually a very scary experience. Um, mm-hmm. and just to give you um, just a quick background, uh, what led me there was I was at work coming from a lunch break or I think it was just a 15 minute break. Um, so as I was walking back to the store, um, I started to get lightheaded. Um, I could literally feel my knees collapsing, or at least I thought that's what it felt like. Uh, Everything just kind of started to collapse really quickly. And so when I got into the hospital or the emergency room, I explained, I tried to explain like, hey, this is what was happening. I felt like I was going to black out. And I remember the doctor, uh, the nurse being very um, understanding or at least listening and the doctor coming in and saying, hey, this is the medicine that you need to take for uh, whatever you're having. And I, so I'm, of course, naturally I say, hey, uh, what's in this medication? What are mm-hmm. the side effects? I start asking questions and that's something I've never done in my life. But based on the research that I've, I've done uh, when it comes to black people, especially in the medical field or being in, in the, the healthcare field, um, I had to ask those questions. And so it eventually led to me being, um, transported in a, an ambulance. That was a, a first for me as well to an actual mm-hmm. home. And I just remember being there and asking questions and the doctor saying, well, we don't really know you know, what's going on. I know they were, they were watching me because they wanted to make sure I wasn't having a stroke, uh, make sure that I wasn't having a heart attack. And in my mind, I, I know like, Hey, I know it's none of those things. And I think I being in that hospital bed and my family having to leave and me sleeping overnight, um, in my head, I was just like, I can't put myself here again. And I know it's because I haven't taken care of myself the way I needed to leading up to that point. Physically and mentally, I felt myself breaking down. And I kind of knew that was the the point where something had to make a change or I had to make a change or else it would happen again. And so with the doctor's diagnosis, they didn't really diagnose me with anything. Um, mm-hmm. it was, so we don't really know what's going on. Um, of course, they gave the possibilities and I had to check back in to do a couple of scans every now and then. Everything's normal. Uh, but I think that was my body's way of saying, like, uh, for lack of better words, you need to sit down and we're going to talk this out together because my body's trying to tell me things and I'm not listening. And mentally, I'm talking myself out of certain spaces. And I got to a point where I just couldn't avoid it. Well, I'm so glad that you are taking the steps not to go back into a hospital hospitalization type of, I mean, I, I could go back to, I'm like, oh, she's had an anxiety attack. Why, why did they keep her in the hospital? Because it's terrifying, right? Like just the mm-hmm. act of like trying to advocate for yourself while you don't feel well, while things you're, you're confused and having to have those conversations. That is a very powerful story. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. That's amazing. That's, there's an amazing strength in there that, um, that you were able to pull up and it, it's just, it's beautiful to see. So, and the next steps to go to therapy are, I mean, it's so much to then start to do really do dig in and do the work. Right. And then you found a practice that, um, I mean, we try to have a practice very as, as open and as full that people can come in at be well and like find somebody who they feel very comfortable with, who looks like them, who they can sit in the room with. So I'm glad that you also had that experience and know that you can noodle around and find the therapist that you, that is the best fit. I don't know if I have a question or just a bunch of statements. I'm like, I have all these statements of like how wonderful this is. Like <laughs> the, the, the growth of the experience is always like, I see people get in the system and like get in the system and get in the system and you've like taken the steps to make sure like to understand and like 
look at the mind body connection, which is so important to me. And I know it's also important to Anisha. And so I'm just like, so I'm so excited to keep talking. So (laughs) I love that you put the two of them together, right? Because when you went in, it seemed like you were going in for something physical, right? And maybe not something mental health related, right? But you said there's more going on, right? Mm -hmm. Like I need to figure this out. And I think a lot of people wouldn't put that together, right? They'll be like, okay, they said they took all the tests, all the tests were like negative, everything was okay. I'm okay. And you said, no, let me figure out what's going on. And maybe there was something in you that knew that you were pushing yourself a little too hard. I don't know, like mentally and physically at the time. I won't say for the the physical aspect so much. Okay. I know mentally uh, I was taking on a lot and just not speaking of it. Um, and I've I've always been the the type where if a friend has um, something going on, they can come to me and I'm I'm ready. I'm there. I'm I'm ready to uh, hopefully pour into them. Um, but then I realized, hey, I have all these people coming to me to uh, get advice from me, but. I'm not really going to anybody to to get advice or to to get help with the situation. And I realized it was I remember um, having a conversation with my coworker and I can't remember what she was talking about. And this is how I know that I was going through something because she came to me. We normally chit chat. We talk about relationship issues or just stress from the job. And I could not recall anything that she was saying because I was so stuck in my head at that moment um, because I was thinking about everything else between working a day job, uh, working a night job, uh, things within my relationship. Um, at the time, I want to say that was when um, my cousin approached me and reminded me that I said I'd move out of his his place by 30. So um, in August, <laughs> 30 is four months away. So I'm, I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, there's so much going on. And Mentally, I felt like I was being attacked, but I was attacking myself. One thing that I, one thing that I always tell people is that, you know, once you reach a certain age, it's up to you to do the work. And I kept telling, I'm telling other people these things, but I didn't, I wasn't taking the knowledge or the information myself. So I said, you know what? I am 29. I'm about to be 30. I can't continue um, this way because eventually, you know, kids come and, and other situations come and those, whatever I'm feeling internally will just roll out as I continue to go through life. So why not try and do something about it while I can, while I have the means, while I have health insurance uh, to do so? What is it like for you to have that space to just talk about you and your needs, right? Because a lot of us don't have that. You know, we have a reciprocal relationship with a friend, right? Like you talk a little bit, I talk a little bit. I listen, you listen. But what is it like to have a safe space just for you that is all about you and your needs? What has that been like for you? (laughs) I guess it's kind of like having the the best friend I've ever had. Like, I mean, I've had best friends in life. But this person who, um, I guess it, it feels like that unconditional love thing where family is supposed to love you unconditionally no matter what you do. But, you know, if you... You drive your uncle's brand new car and you scratch it up. He's looking at you sideways, maybe for like a couple of months. <laughs> but it's, like, it's like going into uh, going into a space where I can shed everything. I can be myself. Um, there's no need to 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 code switch, which is switching up how I feel or how I'm going to be, depending on which environment I'm in. Like being able to be in my own skin and say, "Hey, this is who I am." And to have uh, somebody to talk to that's um, not biased, that's the best thing. Because I, I think um, I have this discussion with my, my boyfriend quite often. And hopefully he's in the room sleep. I think. But um, uh, he, said be, he said I can be transparent and I, I, I will. Um, but I've been having this discussion with him about like, hey, you know, maybe you should see therapy. And I will tell you the, the amount of times I've said it has decreased over time because like you said, there are a lot far less uh, men and far less black men that are going in to see uh, going in to seek counseling in whatever way. And um, so I let he's like, yeah, I can talk to my mom. I can talk to my brother. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, these are great people. <laughs> Your mom is going to give you her perspective. Your brother is going to give you his perspective. And, you know, you, I like that I go in and somebody has the education behind it. But then can also say, okay, Brittany, this is what your 
this is what is happening in your life specifically. And I'm going to help you more so than do the work for you. And so um, that was the the hardest thing with my, my therapist now. Um, she's very blunt. And okay. <laughs> she's very blunt. And there, there has been a time where she asked me, or there was a time where she asked me, like, hey, am, are we are we doing okay right now? Like, am I am I too much for you? Do you, you like it when I call you out? And I told her, you know, like, I need that because everybody else in my life, for the most part, is going to say, well, this is how I feel you should do this. Or, you know, this is what I did back in my day. And I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's 2019 at the, at the time. You're, this is not back in your day. This is like, things are evolving. And then having those hard conversations with my family, like when they try to give me advice and I, I learned to say thank you. And of course I'll, I'll put it, uh, you know, jot it down in the back of my head so that if I need to use that advice. But a lot of the times I appreciate having somebody who one looks like me, uh, but two is, is, is advocating for me in always, um, shapes and form without being, uh, judgmental. So that's the biggest part. Yeah. The projection piece is gone. This is what I would do is out of the conversation, <laughs> right? Because it's like, okay, that's awesome that that's what you would do, but what, what am I going to do? Yes. And, uh, I say this in the room often with women who are trying to get their men to go to therapy. At least, <laughs> at least one of you is in there, right? So it's going to yeah. help. It like, it totally, it helps the relationship for sure. Because no matter what, he's, he wa- he's in it and he wants to stay in it. So he's going to grow with you, which is amazing, right? So like by proxy, he's going he's to he's come up for sure. Well, yeah. Listening to you, um, I thought about yesterday, actually, a couple of my clients, I did a check-in with them. Just like the same thing with your therapist, like, how are we doing? And it was just like, what do you need from me? Is there something that you need from me that I'm not giving you? And I think that piece of therapy is so important. Because, you know, as a therapist, we think that, you know, we can think that things are going really well. But as a client, you can be seeing it very differently. So I'm glad that she took that time to do that. And then you were able to tell her, like, hey, this is going well. Like, you know, I love that you push me. So she knows that she can continue to do more of that. Um, So for you, was it important that you have a Black therapist? Because I know when my clients come to me, they'll say, Anisha, I was looking for you. And maybe not me, but as a Black therapist. They were, look, they were looking for black therapists. And I think especially in this climate, they really appreciate that they don't have to explain culture. Right. And also, you know, all of the racial injustice and what that feels like. So was that important for you to have a black therapist or a woman, a person of color? Excuse me. Um, so, yes, it was actually it was very important for me. Um, and the the biggest thing is that I want to support black doctors. Um and, you know, trust me, I've had like my my primary care physician um, is a man. He's um, uh, Middle Eastern. So he's far from what I have across my other roster. Like my dermatologist is black. Um, my dentist is black. Um, and I, I just like having that support. Um, the second thing is that I feel like there is a little bit more trust or it's easier going in. If I see mm-hmm. that like, oh, he may be able to relate to me. I mean, of course, um, I'm, I don't know how old my therapist is. I, I want to assume she's maybe in her 40s. <laughs> but I can't ask her. <laughs> you can, but she'll say why. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming she's in her 40s. So I'm like, okay, she's a little bit older than me, but not too far to where that nine-year-old that was looking at what I assumed to be a nine-year-old woman. And I was like, there's such a big disconnect. So we don't have that. Um and it was it was great to to have somebody in this area as well because um, I know that right now a lot of uh, a lot of set sessions are happening across video, but yeah. I like the fact that she's um, she's convenient, like she's right there. Um, so seeing somebody that looked like me from this area, I felt that I could talk to her about whatever, and she honestly kind of feels like me sitting in a room with my aunts, except minus the 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 judgment or the this is what I should be but is that what you should do when the session's over (laughs) the checklist and did you get everything I said (laughs) and don't forget don't forget that and don't forget to bring this for whatever dinner on Saturday without that list yeah it's nice you're you're unburdened when you leave did you start your relationship before the pandemic yes so how was that transition for you from being in the office to video 
Um, what well, was a challenge? Because one, uh, in March, um, I moved out of my cousin's place and I temporarily moved into my my boyfriend's house. Um, my my boyfriend still lives with his mom, so that was a that was a challenge. So trying to do my 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 video call every Wednesday and then also drown out the background noise. Also feel like I could still have that safe space. Without mm-hmm. overhearing or her overhearing. Um, and thankfully it worked out. Um, I would say it was a little bit easier because, um, we, I felt like we got the full hour and not like get in, take my coat off, sit down, chit chat a little bit. It was kind of like <laughs> had nothing. We were just yeah. right to it, right into it. Yeah. So that was, it wasn't too bad. This is an age group too. You're in an age group that I'm also very curious about as far as like living, but like living at home and like there's a, there's a parent involved and how do you find time for yourself? Not that, I mean, yeah, not that my parents are involved. They're just not in my house. And so, um, and what that's like, I mean, that, that is, yeah, I'm glad to hear that, that how it is. And so now you're in your apartment and you got, I'm assuming you're, as we know, your Wi-Fi got set up right away and you were able to like, cause you're here, you're here with us. So yeah. you were able to like not miss a beat with your treatment. Oh yeah. No, not at all. I mean, there, there were times where we had to reschedule, um, but it'd be pushed back to later in the week or, um, there were times where I'd be like, Hey, I'm running 15 minutes late cause I'm picking up a package or whatever it was. But, um, it's very accommodating because, uh, again, since it is video, it made it easier to um, reschedule and then she could maybe squeeze somebody else in or if she needed to reschedule. And I'm like, OK, cool. I'll just relax and go back to watching TV or doing whatever. I didn't feel like I had to be rushed to go somewhere, which was helpful. Flexibility of it all has yeah. been really nice. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because the other day, one of my clients, um, she sees me in her car. So let me just say that first. Um, again, due to the privacy issue, right, that you talked about, right? Like, so that's the place where she feels safe and it's private. There's no one listening, right? So we do it in her car. And we were talking and she said something like, um, I would tell you about that, but we're not in the office. And I was like, well, what does that mean? I was like, do you feel like you can't talk to me about everything that you would normally talk to me about because we are via video? And she said, yes. And so I was just trying to understand, like, what is the difference, right? Like, for me, I think we've been doing it for so long. It's been three months, right? So it just feels comfortable for me. But to see four months, okay, wow. We've so been doing this for forever. Me, <laughs> for me to understand her point of view, that was just very interesting. She just felt like she would say so much more if she was in the room with me than over video. It felt like she was kind of restricting herself a bit. And so that kind of made me sad in this way that, you know, because I don't know how much longer we're going to have to do it this way, right? Like we may be doing this until the end of the year. And so I would hope that she is not holding back and not talking about things that are important to her because we can't be in the office together. So it's good to hear that you are very comfortable with it because, you know, I'm noticing now that some of my clients, they're getting a little antsy. They're, they're ready to go back into the office and ready to, you know, sit in a room with me because it is very different, the feeling of sitting in the room with someone. Yeah, I think we're just all trying to do our best. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I will say that initially I started off and I wanted to be in the office. Um, I remember <laughs> I remember our last in-person visit and she, she pulled out a, a notepad and my therapist, she said, okay. She was like, this is just for my own personal reference. Would you prefer to still come into the office if we go into, you know, if the, the virus continues to spread or um, are you okay with video calls? And I, I was both. I mean, because at that point I, I knew like, hey, I, I like the work that we're doing together and I don't want it to stop. So if I need to, you know, drive to a park and we're yelling across from each other to have this conversation, like <laughs> going to happen, you just let me know where I need to be. Um, but I think that only happens when somebody is is a hundred percent committed to doing the work and diving into those really really uncomfortable parts of themselves. Oh, you warm my heart. <laughs> you, you are like the ideal client. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta check. I'm too nervous. You're like, I just... <laughs> You're just totally warm in my heart. Um. She's not your first therapist. We know that. We know that you had your first one when you were nine. We're not, we're actually not going to count her. So, (laughs) but I do, well, the the reason why, the only reason why we're going to keep her in the mix is because there was an event in your family and that 
your family, members of your family actually thought that therapy was a good intervention, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that, that normalized the idea. And even though when you were 18 and you decided to on your own to go and there is the stigma of black people not wanting to go, not going to therapy, you were like, I'm going to wait. There was something in that interaction probably that brought you into the room the next time. Like you could do it. It's my Mm -hmm. guess. I, we had talked, Anisha and I had talked about this yesterday when we were talking about um, how many therapists we've seen and what <laughs> ourselves personally. And I know that like my, my, we know I found her in a phone book and then um, I left New York. So I stopped seeing her and then I came back to New York and I saw somebody else and then um, I just stopped seeing her. And then I'm actually with the same person from there. So I guess I've only seen three, which is, only oh, yeah. And that's over a 30, 30, 30 year, yeah, 30 year period. Um, I said it, I said it. I'm struggling with age this week. Um, but, uh, what do you think? Do you ever compare the two? This is, okay, this is also for my own personal ego. Do you ever compare the two? Let's be clear. I want to know if anybody's out there who's left me and got to somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, but uh, from, I mean, I know that, uh, I left because it, like, I would leave the treatment for different reasons and then ended up in a modality that fit best for me and was a therapist that fit better for me. But maybe I outgrew them. I don't know. So what do you, what made you not go back to your original person? I would say, well, one, the fact that well, when I looked her up again, her practice had moved, like still in the area, but 30 <laughs> miles out. And I'm like, hey. If it's rush hour, I'm not making that drive. If anything happens, totally can't make those, and I don't want to pay the cancellation fees. So <laughs> I can, there you go. She was also very graceful for me with me because at the time I um I was actually a nanny in DC, and so she happened to be only ten minutes away from the house that I worked in. So there would be times where I'm sitting in traffic, and I'm like fifteen minutes late, and she's like, "Okay, no late fees, but we're still going to do this this session." and I, I wanted to go back to her because I liked her, but it was just a little bit harder to find somebody for her and then also find somebody that looked like me. So in between, I actually, I forgot about this gentleman. I did have a therapist at my primary care physician's office and it was a, it was a change of scenery for me because I ended up going for a physical. They turned, they asked, started asking me questions and they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, you're here checking my, my blood and my temperature. Like, why are you asking me how I'm doing? So in that moment, I kind of knew, hey, maybe something's not right. And they said, well, let me introduce you to such and such. I can't remember his name. And I went to him for a couple of weeks. And it was actually very helpful um, at that that time in my life. But then I also said in my head, I guess I said, hey, he's a man. I need somebody. I want a, I want a female. And so looking Trying to do that hunt was it was very hard um, because time elapsed. That was back in probably 2016 that I last spoke to that therapist. And I felt like I was looking and I didn't know where to look. I didn't know the resources. Um, at the time, none of my friends were going to therapy. So it wasn't like I could ask them. My family definitely was not going to therapy. That's a another another story there. But there was... I felt like there was a lack of resources until I I sat down with myself again and said, hey, something has to change. And thankfully, my, my best friend just happened to be in therapy um, because had she not been in therapy, I'd probably still be searching. Um, and I say that because my both of my jobs or offer resources, um, EAP services where we can call up and just talk with somebody or find um, find a therapist in our area. And unfortunately for both of my jobs, they would say, okay, we're going to email you a list. And I'd, I'd give out my preference. And then I get a list of um, all older white males. And I'm like, hey, I can't go to them. And it, it's great. And my job is like, sure, we can find somebody else for you. And I'm like, no, that's okay. Because um, I got to the point where I just got frustrated because I kept getting stuck with this list of people who were either too old um too far away from where I lived or where I worked. And then also where I felt like I couldn't align with somebody who couldn't understand where I was coming from, I guess. Thank you to your primary care doctor, right? Because we, Diana and I always talk about that, you know, mental health should just, should be just as important as physical health. Right. And so nowadays, a lot of PCPs, they're screening for depression, right? So it's so important because we're going to go get that checkup, right? 
but yeah. we may not get the mental health checkup. So like if while we're there for that physical checkup, if we can kind of detect some other things and get people the resources that they need, that would be amazing. So I'm glad that he had the presence of mind even then, you know, to just ask you kind of, how are you doing? I know it may have seemed like what's going on here, but I think that's where we're trying to go, especially as a country, right? To make sure that mental health is a priority as well. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. that, you know, worked out like that for you. Definitely. And had, had uh, my doctor not said anything, I would have, <laughs> at the time, what they didn't know is I, um, at the time I had phased out of my nanny position and I was starting to become, well, I was actually on my way to unemployment. So at the time I was getting out of bed to go to work and then getting right back into bed. And then once my position ended, I was in bed in the dark for so long. Um, so going into the doctor's office was actually a godsend because that's one thing that I've always done. I always made sure my physical health is up to par. Um, but like you said, we need to make sure that our mental health is just as good to go as our physical health. And they definitely go hand in hand. Yes, they do. And we are on a quest to change the world so that every time <laughs> you go to see your gen your <laughs> general practitioner, you already know that there is a mental health person in that in relationship to them. That's yeah. our job. That's our job. We're our quest, our mission. We wanted to um switch it up a little bit because I think it's so important that we talk about your mission. So um as a black mental health advocate, what is your mission? Let's talk a little bit more about that. Um, so my mission as a, a black mental health advocate is to make sure that um, everybody knows that they can go to therapy. Um, you have the the option of, um, and I'll, I'll step back for a second because everybody has the option to go to therapy. There's there's also uh, financial, there's um, there's health insurance, things that get in the way. Um, but I do think that everybody has the opportunity to seek help. And my my biggest thing is that a lot of us tend to start to look for help when things are going bad. Um, but I think that also there there's nothing wrong with going to therapy when things are going good. Um, because you can you can get maybe like a job promotion, you can uh, maybe be getting engaged, whatever it is that's positive going that's going on in your life. Um, I think if you can talk to somebody while you're you're up and in positive spirits, it's easier to do it when the going gets tough because you've already started to build that relationship. I always tell people, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I have to give that. I always have to give myself that advice as well, especially when it comes to giving um, advice to my friends um, and my coworkers, whoever comes to me uh, for, for advice is that I can't pour into them if I haven't poured into myself. And then, you know, if I if I pour into them and I'm pouring in with then it's not coming from a place of love or a place where I've actually taken the time to sit and listen, then I'm not pouring the right things into them. My my mission is to make sure that people that look like me or my boyfriend or whoever it is that they ha they know that they can too take the the time out to undo all the trauma or to do the work, whatever that work is to do the work. Because I know some people don't really have trauma or consider it trauma. Um, and some people have had the, the easygoing life, but that, that doesn't mean that we can't benefit from talking to somebody. I mean, Brittany, I don't even know. There were so many spots along the way <laughs> that I got so excited by hearing you advocate on behalf of people, most specifically black people, but people getting and seeking mental he mental health treatment and mental mental looking really to be mentally well. And of course, when you said that you could be in therapy when things are going well and like have that mirror and like really then I mean I might, I might need you to come over to this side of the table. I might need you on this side. That was, it's, it's, it, it encompasses everything, right? The more you know yourself, the more you get to know who you are in the world and feel safe in your skin and be able to express your feelings. And you are such a, I mean, 
uh, yes, we've already said that you are the ideal, you're the ideal client, but more than that, you're really like, you've been, you've embodied the work and it's clear mm-hmm. and you can see it and you can feel it even though we're not in the same room right now, but like, you can feel that you are really like committed to getting into like the deep crevices, no matter how uncomfortable it may be. And, um, I'm so, it's, I'm so excited and happy for you that you are on this journey, even though like at times it's like the worst place in the world to be. You're like, I don't want to know, but you're like, you're not afraid. And that's amazing. And it's what an advocate. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. Um, you are normalizing asking help. Cause I think that's the biggest thing, especially for black people. It's just like, you know, not wanting to ask for help because it feels like a sign of weakness. Right. And so you're saying like, no, we're going to normalize asking for help. It is a okay to do that. I think you're also normalizing um, being vulnerable, mm-hmm. which I think is so important for people and just listening to your needs, right? Like, so I think that when you go to therapy and you talk to a therapist, it's just like you get to talk about you. So when you talk about you, you talk about like, what is it that I need, right? To feel good. What does I need, I need to feel happy? How do I get through my days? How do I prioritize myself? And so you're telling people that's all therapy is, right? Like it has nothing to do with crazy. It really <laughs> doesn't, right? And it doesn't always have to be when you're in crises, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell people, I think I did this talk before and I was like, successful people go to therapy too, <laughs> right? Like, because just because everything seems like it's going well and it could be going well, that doesn't mean that you don't have things to process and you don't have things to talk about because we get emotionally injured like every day. <laughs> like something happens and like we are emotionally injured and sometimes we don't know how to process that injury and sometimes it'll stay with us. But if you had somewhere to go and talk about it, maybe you could let it go just a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. And so I just tell people on your everyday, like day to day, there's things that are going to happen that you just need to talk about and you don't need the judgment and you don't need that you should do this and you should do that. Right. Cause that's not what therapy is. So for me, as a therapist who was also an advocate, like I so appreciate you and what you're out there doing, you know, just looking through your IG, I could tell how passionate you were. (laughs) Yes. We did have a good time with your Instagram (laughs) account. We did. We had a very good time in there. Um, It's very well curated. Uh, There's lots of good content in there. And when you dig around in there, you really get a sense of your journey in therapy. And I, I really like what you say about self-care when you think about, and I'm just going to let you talk about therapy, self-care, what all the other things about self-care, self-care, selfishness, go. <laughs> okay. Um, so actually, um, I don't know if you've heard of a, um, a writer and author by the name of Alex L. Yes. Um, yes. So, <laughs> um, she's actually a resident or I guess a native of the, the DMV as well. And I started going to her events way back before she blew up the way she did. Um, and she preached about self-care. And so the more I kind of dug into her material and to her work, I'm like, okay, so what is this self-care that she's speaking of? And this was maybe, I want to say about five years ago, where I kind of started taking a dive into what self-care is. Because somebody could easily look at it and say, hey, self-care is making sure that I get up in the morning, brush my teeth, you know, making sure nothing's falling off my body. So I go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one part of it. Um, for me, self-care is making sure that I am whole so that I can put in the work wherever it is. And I will say I am guilty of, especially during this pandemic of neglecting self-care I you would think that I have all the time in the world like you know let's do a facial let's go get uh well maybe not my nails done but let's (laughs) let's (laughs) feel better um but I realized um especially in the the beginning of the uh the shutdown that I started um having anxiety attacks or panic attacks and that was something that was new to me in that aspect where I where I thought I was in the middle of dying um, because I I couldn't put it into words. I didn't know what was going on. And my boyfriend would just see me standing there like panicking. And he's like, okay, what can we do? Um, So what I started doing, one, is I started uh, limiting my my time on social media, especially Mm -hmm. in the beginning. They they had all these things about coronavirus. One minute you could step outside, the next minute you 
couldn't be, you know, less than 10 feet apart. Like there were so many things that were being thrown at us. And every day, because I was at home, um, working from home, I was digesting all of that information. Um, and so what I realized is that the more that I take in, the more that I'm beating myself up when I don't have to do that. And so uh, turning off my, my phone or just leaving it in the bedroom while I go hang out in the living room, finding those moments of peace where I can uh, get back my peace, where I can kind of stay grounded. So uh, my, my therapist gave me grounding techniques. So things that I would use to try and uh, tell myself that, hey, this is where I am um, looking around to see if anything is a threat, like keeping those things in the back of my mind. And it sounded very silly. She said, the next time you have a panic attack, have somebody put some ice in your hand if you feel like you can't do it yourself. And I'm like, huh? And she's like, do it. <laughs> so the next time I had a panic attack, <laughs> uh, we, uh, my boyfriend and I, we were spending the night in my apartment. I had nothing else, but we did have ice in the freezer. <laughs> and he brings back, I think, I think he brought back peas, something. And he threw it in my hand and he's just looking at me and I'm just looking at him. And I think it kind of, it, it showed me that I need to take care of myself. And so that comes to like turning off the TV sometimes. Like I, uh, right now I'm binge watching a different world on Amazon prime. I've seen it. <laughs> right now that's my thing. But when I, when I find myself in those moments where I've watched three episodes and I'm like, okay, I've had 90 minutes to sit here. What have I done for myself in these 90 minutes or what could I have done for myself in those 90 minutes? So, um, taking that same time and reallocating it to maybe going to the, the gym upstairs that's uh, just open. Thankfully, it's only one resident at a time right now. Uh, but maybe <laughs> right. or um, reading a book. I've, I've just, uh, I purchased a lot of books on black mental wellness. So I'm going to see what those are talking about. Uh, diving into learning how to do yoga, even though I, I suck at it right now, but doing whatever it is that, <laughs> that you can't, you can't be bad at yoga. You just have to breathe. I'm a former yoga teacher, Brittany. I'm going to have to jump in there. I'm not, <laughs> you can't, as long as you showed up on the mat, you're great at it. Okay. That's good to know. You are, you are a yogi. I'm, I'm amazing now. Yeah. <laughs> that's next. it. You are, you're great. But yeah, just finding those things that, uh, that make me feel whole again. And then even taking the time out to say, Hey, I can't, you know, talk on the phone with you right now. Or, I mean, it's a little bit easier now that I'm at home. Um, mm -hmm. cause if somebody calls me and say, let's go out, the answer is a no right now, but <laughs> no, I'm not even getting that call. So. <laughs> right. But when you have those, those moments where people want to do things, I have to make sure that I'm okay before I dive into something or it could become a disaster or it could be something where I take away from myself and I know that I need to be whole before I can pour into literally anything um, in life. So self-care is basically being selfish with your time, being selfish, selfish with your energy. Um, that's a big thing, too, is sometimes I, I think I've I realized, especially this year, that I have friends that reach out to me and I have to hit them with the hard truth that, hey, right now I can't make time for that. But let's set up a, a time where we can talk or, you know, let me give you a resource or uh, even if I have to refer a friend, because I know that I'm pulling too much energy out of myself. If I'm at a uh, I don't want to call it a weak moment, but if I'm at a more vulnerable moment, I don't want that to to impact how I give advice or how I treat that relationship. You know, as I listen to you, um, I don't remember self-care ever being talked about, like in my household or amongst friends. I felt like I was conditioned to by my mom to like, I'm one of seven kids. So like, I just needed to take care of everyone. We needed to take care of each other. Like that was always kind of what we were taught, but it was never about like, Anisha, how do you take care of yourself? And so I find that with a lot of my clients, it's not something that was ever taught and it was not something that was ever talked about. So I do remember being in social work school and it was like pushed down my throat, like self-care, self-care, self-care. And I was like, well, what is that? Like I get, I hear, I understand the word self and I understand the word care, right? But what does that really look like? And I think for me and what I try and teach my clients that now it's about establishing boundaries, right? Like that's self-care, like learning to say no. Again, like you said, protecting your energy, right? Like, so do that. And um, just finding joy. I think I always ask my clients, where's your joy? And people can tell you where their pain is. I tell you that, but it's really hard for them to kind of find the joy. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to people about being grateful. Um, taking a nap if you need it. Naps are not just for kindergartners. 
right? Like if you need a nap during the day, listen to your body, take it. Like I, I go for a walk in the park. Like that's how I view self-care now. And I don't know if I ever gave myself permission, and I'm seeing this from other women, that they never really gave themselves permission to kind of take care of themselves because it was considered selfish. And I think now I tell them it's not selfish. It's about prioritizing yourself. I think that we need to change the language. Yeah. And it'll feel very different. And maybe it'll be easier to do once we start to change the language. So that's my hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. When we change the language, because selfish has such a negative connotation, when in yeah. fact, it's one of the best things that you can do for yourself. Like there is like being selfish and having boundaries is the way that you are successful in your life, in the world, in your relationships, because there's more of you, as Brittany says, to fill your cup. Um, and I also want to give a little shout out and kudos to your therapist and the green and the ice in the hands. And then, uh, also a high five to the boyfriend who like got right on the bus on that one. <laughs> that is, that was great. That's a great intervention and really brings you into the moment. So I'm, uh, I was really, I was excited to see that team effort. So, <laughs> so good. He sounds like a keeper. Um, well, I, yeah. Well, we know because we've been in your IG. We know. <laughs> we know he's a keeper. We know all about him. So, um, well, Brittany, we could we could keep you here all day, but we can't because. <laughs> but we could, but we can't. But I do want to say one thing that I want to say more than one thing because I want to keep you here forever. But um, as a as somebody who has been in therapy for a very, very, very long time and um, took obviously took the steps after that to become a therapist, to hear the how you have really integrated the work that you're doing and the successes and the and what I feel is perceived internal joy is just it what what a what a gift for us to be with you today. It was just you are just so I keep putting the word, keep putting it out there. I don't even know what else to say. Just keep putting it out there. We're so grateful. At the end of every episode, Anisha has a couple questions to ask the guests. We find out so, a little bit more about you that we didn't already learn. <laughs> right. All right. So it's usually one kind of serious question and then one kind of fun question. So we always go with the fun question. If you were famous, what would you be famous for? If I were famous, what would I be famous for? Oh wow, this is a tough one. Um, huh. I'd probably be famous for either. I'd probably be famous for the world record for um, spending the most time in either Target or Trader Joe's. I love that. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. I did not see that one coming. That is a great answer. I had to think, and that's only because um, before all of this this happened with the the virus and everything. Um, you could find me in Target. Like, Target is low key a part of my self care, but then I also need self care <laughs> for the the amount of money that I spend in Target. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, the good thing I and mean, it's also a bad thing. But that that'll probably be what it is because my my boyfriend goes to play basketball and he'll call me and he'll say, "Hey, okay, I'm I'm on my way to play basketball." I'm like, "Okay." And he calls me an hour later and he's like, "You're still in Target." <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, yeah. 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 there's a lot to do. Definitely. And then Definitely. you have to put half the stuff that's in your basket back. <laughs> <laughs> you got to shop, unshop, and then get in line. Right. <laughs> I start scanning to see what has a discount. And yeah. yeah. I it. love that answer. I was not. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. So thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, the second question is, how have you been brave today? How have I been brave today? Hmm. I will say hopping on this podcast. I mean, um, there was a point in time and I'll, I'll, uh, let's say maybe five years ago, right when I was going through, uh, going through unemployment, um, I took a photo and I posted it on Instagram and I don't know if I can, I think I can say this Apple contacted me. Um, it was a confidentiality email. They're like, Hey, send me, uh, they, they told me to send me, uh, send them that photo. And I was too in my head and I beat my, I try not to beat myself up about it anymore, but I was too in my head and in my feelings that I ignored everything. Um, I didn't think my photos were good enough, but Apple themselves reached out to me 
And I missed out on an opportunity to have my photo on like the side of the, the buildings. Wow. Um, so from <laughs> that point on, I said, okay, you know, if an opportunity comes my way, I'm going to say yes, even if I'm fearful, or even if I don't know what's going to happen. Um, Cause I do remember uh, when I first started therapy, my, my therapist, she asked me, she was like, what are you afraid of? Or what's, what's holding you back? And I couldn't answer the question. And then the answer has always been me. So I figured, you know, if an opportunity comes my way or if something comes my way, especially if it's something that I believe in, um, then I'm going to say yes. I love it. I'm so glad you said yes today. And I hope you get more opportunities like this because you have a voice in this arena and it should be hard. So thank you so much. Anisha, let's see if we can do it. Stay safe. Safe. And wash wash your hands. (laughs) Okay, everybody. (laughs) We are still in the middle of a pandemic. Stay safe. Keep washing your hands. And we're going to stop here. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Be Real podcast. Stay connected to us and subscribe to Be Real wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are feeling it, how about a five-star review? If our conversation sparked a question, join us in the Be Real podcast Facebook group. We hope that you have walked away with some new insights, curiosities, and ideas to better help you on your journey to mental wellness and overall well-being. I encourage you to go to BeWellPsychotherapy.com and check out our services and programs. Again, that's BeWellPsychotherapy.com. Okay, we have to stop here, but I'll see you next week.